there. We are live. Uh, welcome back, Michigan Brews. Where uh, this uh, today we are we are speaking with. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have his right name on there. I can't see that. It's Dick uh, Thunder. Dick, Dick Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> be Jeremy Gavin. Jeremy Jeremy Gavin. Uh, speaking with him tonight and his homebrew club, uh, trying to get his history and you know what they do over there. Um, so yeah, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, and let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, bring him in. Right on. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. So we've, we've got Jeremy from Michigan's premierest homebrew club, right? <laughs> Primetime Brewers out of Grand Rapids. Premierest. Premier, yeah. <laughs> premier. There is only one premier. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I just refreshed into a Junipero gin from San Francisco, which is made by uh, Anchor. Their anchor distillery. Really, I didn't know they distilled oh, too. That sounds neat. Can you find that local around here? Uh, yeah, I got it. Can you see the bottle here? Oh yeah, you know, I think I've oh. seen that on the shelf on the oh. on the shelf okay. before. It's it's really good. It's highly rated. I got it at Siciliano's here in Grand Rapids. So yeah, you can get it in the elsewhere. I, I would imagine. <clears throat> Megabev down here carries it if anybody does. I was gonna say I was at Megabev looking around. Um, I've been I've been into gins a lot lately, but I've been drinking uh, Old Tom or Barrel Age gins. And oh. I, I like Liberator. Old Tom has been my my mm. go to. What lately. is what is an Old Tom? School you. So Old Tom is wow. See, we're already off fucking topic. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, long into it? Two minutes in. There we old, go. Old Tom is more like historical gin before they came up with a London dry gin uh, style of uh, of you know like um, more of the the juniper heavy, uh, light crisp uh, cheap gin. So Old Tom gin would be uh, different botanicals. It's got juniper, but other shit in it. Uh, Maybe not as strong on the on the pine uh, juniper flavor, uh, and then they throw in a barrel, and it just becomes. I mean, shit! It's the first gen I drank on the rocks and really enjoyed it. So, oh, I'll have to find some. So anyway, I'm slamming hams again. I don't have any homebrew. I do. I, I fucked a keg up, so I, I'm and I'm I'm still yeah. I'm still not. I don't have the bar done in the basement. I don't have the kegerator going. So. Uh, just a pain and, in the ass. Yeah, yeah it's a pain in the ass. It's taking time. At Maybe. least it's in a glass. Michigan <laughs> <laughs> homebrew. Nice. There you go. I, uh, I am bringing homebrew. Um, this is my first brew that I, I've used. Uh, oh, shit. What, what are these hops called? Lupo Max? Are those the the new ones that uh, what, Yakima Valley put out or something? It's uh, no, They're supposed to have like something like 20, 25% more, you know, like the alpha acid's a little bit higher. They're sort of like their answer to cryo hops, I guess. Um, right on. They're not, apparently it's a different method of creating the hops that's not cryo or something. I don't really know, but I uh, I got some citrus and mosaic and some sabro. I just, I made a beer with all of it and it's, uh, it's punchy. Like, <laughs> it's good. It tastes like a, tastes like a heavy double IPA with just like a ton of aroma. Right on. Sounds good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. When did you uh, keg it up? Last week, probably about a week ago now. 
since I haven't had it yet. So I'm just <laughs> yeah. I owe you a a, a creamsicle IPA from some <clears throat> shitty brewery that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> I'm so you can I'm sure you're really excited for that. And I'll bring you some of this too. Super happy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking, Jordan? Um Larry's latest juicy IPA. Oh, I gotta go down there and get some of that. I had one of those this weekend. Oh yeah. solid. Yeah, I got a got a six pack over the weekend and I've been bouncing between that and an Oktoberfest. So mm-hmm. that's what I picked. Right on. It is the season. Yeah. I just picked up a bunch of Oktoberfest, different ones in case we do an Oktoberfest show, which means we're gonna do an Oktoberfest show. Yeah, we're, we're so. the week next week or the week after, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so Jeremy, tell us about Primetime. How long have you guys been around up in Grand Rapids? <clears throat> Primetime Brewers is oh, let's see. I think the official start to the club was in the like I'm gonna say ninety four, maybe a little earlier. Wow. Uh, that's when they changed the name and joined AHA. Uh, before that, it was, um, I mean, Roots going back to the late 70s, and then in the early 80s, they actually organized, but it was really more just kind of a drinking group. Uh, they called themselves the Bozos, um, Brewers of Zymergetic, blah, blah, I don't know. It was <laughs> a terrible name. So uh, in, ni- in the early 90s, they joined AHA and um, changed the name to Primetime Brewers. Uh, I am, there are one, two, there are only four presidents, three presidents before me. Uh, I'm going into my fifth year here. So since the early 90s, I don't know, you know, they tend to, uh, the presidents tend to be stuck in the position for a while. Yeah. Uh, David? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Before me, there's Eric Fouch, and he... Uh, stepped down to start his own brewery here in Barry, but starting up a brewing company. And then there's before him, it was the uh, famous Jeff Carlson, uh, five time cider maker of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, He's still then, active, right? Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like I still see that name pop up quite a bit. Yeah, he just retired from Grand Valley two years ago. And um, since then, he's still flooding every competition with the ciders. And, Nice. nice. And then there was uh, Larry Simonson before me, who was kind of the unofficial, uh, the, the official founder of Primetime, I suppose. As far as he was just the first guy that said, "Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pick where we're going to do meetings." <laughs> so that's really my my responsibility is the whole club, but I actually really only just um, delegate and pick where we're meeting every month and topic <laughs> conversation. So that's uh yeah, though that that's probably what David needs to shift into. But <laughs> yeah. well I mean like that Eric Fouch before me, he was a lot more hands on. Um, and then I joined the club, well that would have been 2010. I joined in the club and then um, started getting active and uh, I'm an attorney, so I looked at the bylaws and said, hey, you know, you don't have to be doing so much work. You can pass this on to your VPs and stuff. And so we have, we're set up with a president, a VP, a treasurer, and a um, secretary. Um, right so and right now, I mean, I've got a good team. 
Um, Chad Zomerly is the secretary, keeps the notes, and is the voice of reason sometimes. And then there's um, uh, Kathy Troxel is our v is my VP. She just took the position this past January, and uh, the VP's main responsibility really is um, organizing at the meetings. We we do a monthly style competition each month, and so she organizes the judging and facilitates that. Oh wow, that's a lot of work every month. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it ranges from six to twelve beers at a meeting. We do that before the meeting, and depending on the style, you know, it it fluctuates. And then um, every month you get points for how well you did. At the end of the year, you get most points gets brewer of the year. Cool. So the VP is responsible for that, and then the treasurer is well, he counts the money. And uh, Greg Sanyal is our treasurer right now, and uh, he's doing. Uh, he's probably the best treasurer we've ever had because he's actually the CFO at Grand Valley, so he knows how to count. <laughs> he can handle our hundreds of dollars. <laughs> do you uh, do you announce styles a couple months out? Yeah, so usually November is our last monthly because in December we announce the winner and have a Christmas party. Cool. So at the November meeting, we will take suggestions for what styles people would like to see. And then it's up to the VP to actually schedule it. So starting in January, you have the whole year scheduled to, to brew two. And we try to do, you know, the ones that need more time, we put those later in the year. No, that's so. cool. That That's really cool. Like we, we had just started talking about coming up with a way to keep track of, of uh, points for, for members that entered other competitions um, and then blending in our own competitions. I think, um, my position in the club is, is competition organizer and I was targeting three to four a year. I don't, not 12 yeah, <laughs> or 11 or whatever you guys wind up doing. Well, we've been doing this. It started because um, when they joined the AHA back in back then, the, the AHA had a monthly club competition. Mm -hmm. So each club would, the AHA would set out the schedule and each club would then brew to it. And then like, so let's say September was pale ales the clubs would do August as paleos. And then whoever won, or it was up to the club to how they wanted to decide how, the, how they would do it. But in September, each club that wanted to participate would nominate a pale ale to send into the AHA club competition nationally. And um, there were significantly less clubs in the beginning of this. So primetime just made it, we just made a competition the month before and the winner of our monthly was the one that got sent to AHA. Yeah, it's really cool. Idea. Yeah. And then AHA stopped doing that well, probably six or so years ago, just because it got out of hand. There was mm -hmm. explosion and the, the hobby and everything was, there's no way for them to facilitate that, that anymore. So we had been in the habit of doing it for so long. They were like, well, it's fun. And it makes us brew to a, you know, it, it, if you want to participate in it, it, it keeps you brewing and it keeps you on to something. It's like, well, I got to have something for next month or whatever. And then it satisfies that combat competitiveness in a lot of the club members. And it fosters a lot of really good natured shit talk, which is some of my <laughs> why I'm in a club. Yeah. I yeah. Get it. yeah. None, none of that happens between clubs or anything <laughs> ever. Yeah. 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 We have our rivals and especially in Grand Rapids here with the Ruskitos and that was really kind of why we picked the, the uh, motto, the premier homebrew club in West Michigan, because 
talking, you know, talking <laughs> with Deacon Ottawa and Rosquitos and, you know, we're all friends. So I was, did, did, I, that, did that premier homebrew club thing come like after, like, like when, when did that come about? But was it, was that always part of the homebrew club name? Like, uh, like the premier? No, that was probably three or four years ago. We started, I had a banner meeting because I was talking shit with the president of Mosquitoes. I was like, well, we are the premier homebrew club. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. So at the next big brew day in my, in May that we would, that, you know, we would do, I made sure I had a banner made up that. Of course. <laughs> we don't, um, you know, it's funny. We're, we're actually pretty, a, a lot of us, I think, are, there's only Kalamazoo Libation Organization of Brewers Club and, and keepers here. Uh, in Kalamazoo anyway, and I think a lot of our members cross over both of them, but we really haven't gotten into the the smack talk too much. I mean, we've we've had a couple of little competitions uh, against them, of which I think we've won all of them, right? I think so. Yeah. Now we're going to start talking some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, case being from Klopp's watching, Colin. But yeah, um, where do you guys meet out of? Where, what's your home? Uh, it's it's tricky right now because of COVID. We always would meet. That was part of my job was picking each spot in the month. We try to go someplace different every time because we don't have a specific clubhouse. We have our, all of our sponsor breweries that are all, you know, there's probably 85% of the pro brewers in Grand Rapids have come through prime time at some time. And so there's a lot of connection there. And so we try to get around all our places and we meet in the, you know, back, back rooms or breweries or now that a lot of the breweries have expanded and they added on banquet hall, you know, spaces, we'll meet in those places, uh, et cetera. But yeah, we used to just between the tanks someplace. Right. Um, and then, um, we had for a few years, a space of, uh, I don't know if you remember, what do they call it? The Great American Brew Trail was a TV show locally made. They called it the Great American Brew Trail, but they never went outside of Michigan. <laughs> and they only did maybe a season of shows. And uh, But anyway, the, the producer that he had a studio space that he would let us, we used for probably three years. That was really nice because we could, we had a tap box all set up in there. So every, you know, we'd organize a couple people would bring a kind or two to put on tap during the meeting. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And it had a it had a kitchen built in that they they had in the studio to do cooking shows, so we had a kitchen you know a really nice big kitchen that we could do food or we'd do our Christmas party there, you know all that sort of stuff. Fear and boot, fear. Did you, fear. Did you ever do like a fear an indoor brew day there or anything? What's that? Did you ever do like an indoor brew day there or anything like uh like on the stove or? No, um, yeah, I mean. It didn't have a hood. Oh yeah, okay, fair. It was a, it was a it's TV. For TV. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but we, they're like, yeah, we'd rather you not cook, but we had water and countertops, and we could heat something up real quick or whatever. But right, it was a really fancy looking kitchen, but you know, you step out of frame and you're in a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's still pretty awesome, though. Like, uh, we've we've moved around a bit. And uh, and it's I, I I wish that we could have kind of a, a place like that where we could get more settled and do some things like that. Maybe someplace I could store the club bar. 
Yeah, well, all of primetime's garbage is in my garage. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What have you guys been doing during COVID then? Have, have you taken it virtual? Um, we did a lot. Uh, I think our first in person was in June. So for March, April, May, we were using Zoom. And then um, in June was our first tentative. We were in somebody's backyard. Weather was nice. So that's kind of what we've been doing is someone's driveway, their backyard, open spaces, outdoors. Yep. Um, we have our next one is in October is uh, throwing up a brewing company's um, patio, provided the weather holds because October is when things kind of start to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. So we have some members that have large garages that we might continue to be in. And then, um, you know, we haven't asked other than this time at Thornapple to try to take up anyone's space at the brewery because of the, a lot of the restrictions with the restaurants and yeah. we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to take away from their business anyway. Yep. And now that's even more important. So. Yeah. It's just, it's the same thing. I think we're going to try to hit a, a new beer garden that's popping up Kalamazoo at presidential. Uh, for our next one, weather permitting, but it's hard to say, you know, let's go to one well and, and take up, you know, half of their seating and then we're going to drink our own beer, right? It's just not, not, it's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of the places we go to meet, you know, we've, we've got our favorites and people that have a connection with the club because a lot of places don't want us bringing in our own stuff, which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, with the places we do go to, we've got a good history with them. That's cool. And we make sure everybody at least buys one round from the bar. So. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a given, too. That's good. So what kind of um, kind of things do you guys talk about in your meetings? Do you have a set agenda every month? or? Uh... That's, uh, that's, that's probably the hardest part about for me about being the president of the club is I'm the one that has to come up with something to talk about. And I don't want to be the one talking the whole time. <laughs> so I'll find, I mean, again, with COVID it's been a lot more difficult, but I'll get speakers to come in. Um, one, a couple times we've had um, Emily Geiger from craft cultures. Um, her family here is in West Michigan. but So she comes out from Keweenaw once in a while and we'll coordinate with her and she'll come in and talk to us about, yeast propagation or harvesting wild yeast one time, that sort of stuff. Um, otherwise, if it's a new place for meeting, you know, you do the tour and they talk about their spot. Um, we try to, I try to get outside speakers that are credible in their field to come in. Otherwise, we've had a lot of times too, we just, you know, we have a lot of um, people in the club that are very talented and really into certain aspects and have their, their you know, their experts in, in an area. and give them an opportunity to explain to us, you know, we got um, one time we had a member that just built this new all electric automated brew setup. So he talked about automation, electric brewing uh, last, our last meeting. Um, one of our members, his garage is all sorts of decked out with um, um, all the projectors and EV all over the place. And uh, so he coupled with another one of our partner or members that, didn't want to come to the meeting, but he could virtual in. He talked about recipe formulation with software and things. 
So yeah. that was pretty cool. That, that's what we've been doing lately, that sort of thing. Um, kind of tapping more into the talent that is in our club. One thing that I, I just thought about while you were saying that, and maybe that's something we should talk to a couple of the homebrew clubs about too, is uh, especially the closer ones like you guys, maybe doing some like cross homebrew club like presentations or something like that. Um, you know, get some get some fresh blood in with some some fresh conversations or something like that. That could be fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, we've done that a couple times with mosquitoes. Oh, cool! Just done a, a group like uh, we went to Great Lakes Hops last fall, um, a hop yard in West Michigan. That uh, you know, I wanted to go out there, and then it was actually with Rivertown, another club here in town, and mosquitoes. Yeah. We we're like, well, we should all go. Why they've got plenty of space that houses all so. We just made it a group thing and talked about hops and we went out and picked our own hops if you wanted them and stuff. So, Yeah, right before COVID hit, I was going to go do it to the clubs around here. As like I did a – Brian and I wrote a presentation on brewing for competitions, mm -hmm. and I was going to go do that for club and do it for uh, South County, and then COVID hit and fucked all that shit and no <laughs> more meetings. and But, yeah, like maybe we could uh, – set up something where we could we could send somebody over to do a presentation or have somebody come over. If you guys have a good one, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Which, uh, we actually, um, a member of ours and he's, I think he's just the retiring president of Mosquitoes. He's part of the curling club down there in KZU too. Okay. He's awesome. trying for years to get, Hey, let's do a primetime night down at the wing stadium and, you know, drink beer and slide stones or whatever they call it. <laughs> Just he, he mentions that to the most of the club, and two or three people were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and the rest of them were like, "Do what?" <laughs> I mean, if there's beer to be drank, I'll do kind of whatever, you know. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've always wanted to go do curling. Things. I didn't even know. I hear it's actually really fun to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's big at wings. Didn't know that. I think it's fun because you're drinking beer at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And standing on ice, what can go wrong? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the catch with that though is that um, this the stadium there they don't let you bring your own beer in. Uh, their beer selection isn't fantastic. I mean, they have a few basic bells things, which is yep. you know better than hams, but yeah. Some nights they have like a don't they have like a cheap like hot dog and beer night or something like that? And is I think like that's, a they do that at Wings? I know $2. they do Griffins up in Grand Rapids. Yeah, the Griffins do uh, Friday night. These dollar beers, dollar dogs. Dang. You spend most of the time standing in line. You don't watch any hockey, though. <laughs> yeah. So there was, uh, and I'm I'm gonna fuck it up. And if David's watching or he'll watch later, he'll, he'll tell me about it. But they did. I want to say they did something like that at K Wings once. And there was a girl that didn't really understand what beer she should or shouldn't have been pouring. And it, it seems to me that he was telling me that he was drinking. Pine after pine after pine of KBS. No. <laughs> this got fucking ripped. And I don't know if it was that <laughs> for like two dollars a pine or something. <laughs> yeah, it was it was either cheap or they were doing over pours or something. Like it was supposed to be eight ounce pours and he was getting like twenty two ounce pours or I, I don't remember, but Whoa. I don't know that I yeah. want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you're gonna drink twelve beers for twelve bucks, PBR is a pretty good choice. <laughs> right. I'm I'm down with that. I couldn't. He said that he's like I'm on my X number of KBS and like Jesus Christ, how'd you get through the first one? Let alone to keep pounding them yeah, down. Multiples. But yeah. 
Well, I guess, you know, you get the past the first two or three, it goes down easier. <laughs> it comes up easier, too. <laughs> Gross. No room for hot dogs. <laughs> Probably don't need it. There's so many calories in that beer. The alcohol <laughs> absorbs quickly. You're just puking up the liquid. Oh, it's time for another beer. Yeah, I know. I'm just opening one, too. So, yeah, I was drinking that homebrew. Uh, Brandon mentioned in chat that he's drinking the Ferndale uh, Project Solo Galaxy. A. They deliver to different parts of the state now. Um, different part, like, every day. Um, Saturdays, I think, is their, their Kalamazoo Day. Um, and, yeah, that Solo Galaxy is probably one of the better IPAs I've had in, like, a long time. It's, like... Like, you know how, how people describe, like, New England IPAs as, like, very smooth and, you know, velvety and blah, blah, blah. Like, that beer is, like, what that definition was, like, made from, I swear. <clears throat> it's very, very, very good. and just has, like, a nice, like, bite to it. It's not, like, a hot bite, but it's more of, like, a tart, like, acidity bite. I don't know how to describe it, but right it's super good. But I bring that up because I'm opening a Ferndale beer, too. It's called My Precious. <laughs> I like the black can. Yeah, black can, black lid. Their beers look really, their cans are, are pretty. Uh, double New England IPA, double dry hopped with Nelson, Raquel, and Kohat too. So some New Zealand hops. Yeah. I know they don't deliver up here, but I got a delivery, a hop butcher. Uh, thanks, Jake, if you're watching. Uh, unwind your mind is I'm gonna crack into this. All they do, I don't know if Jeremy, if you ever had this hot butcher shit, but they just started to, uh, distributing, I think, two of their varieties to Michigan. Keep your eye out for them. I forget which ones they are, but uh, our friend, uh, a keeper, actually moved to Chicago to run their canning line. Okay, so, what was that? Say hot butcher? Is that what you said? Hot yeah, butcher, yeah. Hot butcher for the world. <laughs> they are doing just killing it with just crazy dippas. Um, super, super juicy. Um, New England's really good. And like, sometimes you, you run into that when breweries like kind of focus on a style like IPAs or something where like a lot of their beers tend to come out tasting similarly, you know, even if the hops are different. I don't know. Hop Butcher must have a different bunch of like different uh, base like recipes and, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're, all, they're, all their beers are, are very unique their doubles are all individual and and all very like this one is uh mosaic motoeca el dorado yeah and uh but they, they're all they're all individual they're not that similar at all i will say i they did do a black what was it blackberry apricot graham cracker what would you, you know say what? was called like all the things or something like that numerous different things <laughs> numerous different things <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it had one too many things in it. Uh, <laughs> mainly, mainly the graham cracker. It should not have had graham cracker in it, but it was well, still maybe good. Not enough. Maybe it needed yeah. sausage yeah. or something. Maybe sausage. That's right. When in doubt, throw in kibasa. <laughs> we had a. So, one of the things I think the only time we really interact with primetime down here is over at Homebrew Fest. Uh, you guys are kind of our neighbors across the way. And uh, you guys always seem to put on a, a, a good show. I mean, I, I love the beers that you've brought. Don't you guys have the, the, the lady with the uh, cucumber Kolsch? Oh, that was my beer. That's your beer? Yeah. Well, you, uh, you, you look kind of feminine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this last year, well, not this last year, but the last time we had a Michigan Overfestival, 
uh, that was the first time we actually like got into the the theme and the costume and all that stuff. Um, uh, we not, we had for years. Well, there's a history of primetime brewers in the Michigan Homebrew Festival, or the Michigan Beer Cup, more specifically. Uh, the Michigan Beer Cup used to be the Michigan State Fair Homebrew Competition, right? And that expanded into the Michigan Beer Cup. Um, I'm pouring myself a rye whiskey. Um, well, um, primetime broke that competition because we had powerhouses like John Applegarth and Jeff Carlson and um, Larry Simonson and, um, oh, come on, I'm blanking on his name right now. Anyway, a bunch of guys that they would just pile into that competition. And um, the, the last year it happened, it was, I mean, I have... Yeah, it's not going to get it down right now. I have the Michigan Beer Cup cup up there that the only name on it is primetime for 12 years running. Nice. Oh, wow. Because these guys just annihilated everybody. And um, the last year it ceased to happen because there was some bad blood between, where's the club? I can't remember, one of the East Side clubs. But um, because they, it, was, it came down to like multiple tiebreakers and it went in primetime's favor. So they just stopped doing it and then it restarted again more recently. Um, but since then, I mean, those guys that were brewing like that, like crazy, they're, you know, 78 years old now, so they don't have quite the, uh, right. Do it so much anymore. But I mean, there's, they're still active in the club and they're still making fantastic beers. They're just not sending 20 beers off to AHA or whatever. So, uh, so, after that, when they started up the um, the new Michigan Homebrew Festival to host, kind of to be the host for the Beer Cup, um, we would send a few guys over there. We'd go for the day or whatever. Um, I went there a couple times, and then um, it was when they moved to the new spot in Camp Agawam there. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be way better. So I went with my uncle, who's not even a member because he works third shift, so he couldn't come to meetings. Um, it was just he and I. So really there was one primetime person. And a couple people came for the day, but I was camping it. And I had such a blast. I was selling it to the rest of the club for the whole rest of the year. And I got one more person to come. My VP came that time, Rick Brown. And uh, he was like, holy shit, you're right. This is the best party ever. <laughs> and uh, so then, then we had two people, you know, preach into the club. So we got a couple more people to come the next year. So now we're up to like four or five people. And so we've been, you know, the growth rate is really good, but we still only have like, you know, eight people there. Yeah. Um, but last year we got, uh, like, Kathy Troxel came and Mama Kathy, we call her. She is really good at organizing and motivating people to get involved and do things. So, uh, and then we had, you know, some more, just more fresh blood as far as the festival goes that came and we went big. And uh, uh, yeah, we had a, I really liked our theme last year. It was kind of a, a jackass golf, Caddyshack-ish sort of stuff. Yeah, I remember that. And did anybody I, end up getting the hole-in-one? A couple people did, yeah. Uh, well, one of the guys that got it, so I, I asked Steve Cisniano, hey, do you have some swag we can take to give for prizes or whatever because we want to try to engage the crowd with our golf hole and stuff. And he gave me a box of 10,000 bottle caps. Oh, <laughs> And another one was like a bag of black patent malt or something like that. These ridiculous things. So yeah, the first <laughs> bag, 
one. He's like, what do I win? And I bring this big box. I'm like, 10,000 bottle caps, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Not my problem. (laughs) Uh, The next guy, oh, bag of grain. Great. What is it? It's Black Patent. (laughs) 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 So, I I mean, I thought that was hilarious because, you know, it's a pride. Yeah, what are you going to do without 55 pounds of Black Patent? Well, that's we got to find who won that. That's amazing. Uh, so that was it. Was it was fun? That's that's what it was about. So, um, and this year we were all gearing up to do something fun again, but then well, the world ended, and uh, we did end up going um, the um, craft uh, or Cats River or whatever, whoever it is. They invited us out. One of their members is as a place in Hastings, and so he said, "Hey, why don't you you know." Want to bring some members out for the day to his property, and that was a that was a good time. It was home MHF light. Yeah, yeah. There were there, I know there were a couple of those that happened, and I'm really bummed that I didn't go to one of them. But um, your story is very similar to mine. I mean, that was I, I day tripped it out, uh, came back and tried to tell Claw about this amazing party, and nobody listened to me. And then Keepers started up, and I joined Keepers. I came in and I'm like, there's this amazing fucking party over here we got to go to. And and I think it, even that, it took me a year to get, you know, like Brian, it was you. You you had like two, I think it was David and somebody else. Oh, no, it was David and Matt was the first yeah. year. And then you yep. and Jordan came in. Yep. Um, but yeah, I got, you know, two people to come with me. And then the next year I got like six people to come with me. And then last year we actually, the last year it was on, I should say, we actually had like 20 four people show up it was stupid we were one of the biggest clubs but we didn't really organize our 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 tent very well right like yeah. the, the party and the games and things like that so that's that's well, the first couple of years you were like stuck back in a, like a hole behind yeah. <laughs> and crap well the first year i was actually hauling a keg around by myself uh <laughs> Wow. And uh, and that was that was that was actually the the year that we did the crab boil. And you I really was carrying a, a keg around with like a party tap. Yeah, I showed up with a keg and a tap and, and my CO two, and I'm like, well, somebody will let me serve it, you know, from where I'll fucking serve it myself, you know. And then they uh, they wound up doing a crab boil, and uh, I talked to Pat and Ben, and I'm like, hey, why don't I throw my my keg down here next to the table, and. Uh, so everybody had raspberry wheat uh, beer with crab boil. It was it was the first keg kicked. Goddamn it! <laughs> it was sitting next to the table. Um, and then the the following year, we we brought our first bar, and yeah, we were we were kind of stuck out in the woods. So, but now we're inside. Now uh, next year we'll actually be uh, uh, two doors down. We're going to be in the corner um, next to Livingston Social. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like between the wall and Livingston's, they've got that mm-hmm. structure. Yeah, yep. Okay. Yep. So they'll, they'll have the structure and we'll have the corner next to it. And okay. um, we bonded pretty well with them guys. We're going to try to do something together, I think. Oh yeah. They're great guys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked, I talked a lot with uh, Paul Phipps. And, oh yeah. Paul's awesome. Cause we we're, we're right next to them. So we're between Pontiac brew tribe and Livingston and Livingston Pontiac is, 
They like don't even talk to us. I don't know why. Maybe they're upset because they're PBT and we're PTB right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> to me, as an attorney, I hear PBT and I don't think of Pontiac Tribe. I think of pre-breathalyzer test. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we, we used to be next to Kraft, yeah. you know, and everybody was like, "Are you guys part of Kraft?" I'm like, no, we're not part of Kraft. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um. We got a question. Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump into that. Brandon says, uh, what's your favorite style to brew? And then do you have any homebrew trends you love, hate? Uh, style to brew? I, I go in phases. Um, let's see. I started brewing in 2003, and it was I was big into Belgian things. And then, I don't know, I just, just got tired of it, and I was into IPAs and double IPAs and Triple IPAs, arguably barley wines, those sort of things. Um, what I really have been brewing for the last while now is I've really been chasing the perfect Pilsner, mm. uh, Bohemian or German style, um, or just like a Hellas Lagers. I love an amber lager. Like Oktoberfest is my favorite time of year because Marks and Fest beers. Uh, where I'm actually hosting. Our 11th year this Saturday is um, our 11th annual October Fest party that started as a um, just a shit talk between my uncle and my cousin and a couple of friends about, well, I make a good Martin. Well, my Martin's better than yours. Oh, yeah. Well, why don't we bring our Martin's and, you know, let make a competition out of it? And it started with just, you know, 25 people. And now um, last year was our 10th year. We had. 175 people in my backyard. Holy cow. The whole German food spread brought by people and uh, we got the we still we limit the competition to 12 beers. You have to bring a whole five gallon keg. Has to be a German style. They randomly number them. Everybody tastes them. They cast their vote. That sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Beer games, beer pong, barrel roll, stein grab, all that sort of stuff. Um this year because of covid we're scaling it back significantly but we're still going to do it we're cutting out the food and a lot less of the hands-on stuff no one's allowed in the house or in the garage uh so it'll, it'll still be a good time but do you still have openings for the uh the beers that are going to go on tap i have we have 11 right now so we have one spot open <laughs> if you're interested um you got to contact me and then um get We'll we'll tap it if you drop the keg off or if you bring come with the keg before five o'clock. No, I got I got the invitation and I I want to I wanted to come, but I I think I, I think my wife's watching. I think I've got yard work to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's just funny. I do happen to have a keg of pilsner right now. <laughs> yeah. But is it a German German pilsner? It's a pilsner. Of course it is. <laughs> right. I mean, we have everything in this competition from. Ghosts to Schwarzbeers, uh, Amber Lagers, Doppelbox. Um, the ones that do the best are the Martin Fest beer style because they're okay. malty, really good, easy to drink. And if it's a hot year, a half of Eason or a Gosa will do well. You know, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And actually, this is the first year my wife is in the competition. She's brewed three beers in her life. Those last year. So, what'd she brew? She made a ghost. Sweet. But that's top secret shit because it's supposed to be a blind tasting. Night. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're drinking through a shield of amber and light lagers and suddenly there's a ghost that's going to stand out. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I just checked. I checked my hops. It's I didn't know my hops were actually Canadian, so I guess cool. it's not a real German lager. Well, just but, don't tell anyone. Tell, tell, them, tell them it's German. That's a secret, too. We have the people that come to this. I mean, it, it, there's a broad range from real serious beer nerds to professional brewers to people like, yeah, I like to drink beer. I'll come hang out. And uh, it's surprising. One year we had somebody bring something that was, to those of us that, that know beer, like those are clearly American hops. And we had a lot of people in the crowd that they're Bud Light drinkers. They're like, there's something wrong with this beer. It doesn't taste like the other ones. <laughs> so... The guy was trying to prove a point. He's like, no, the people that come to this, they're not going to know the difference. We're like, I, okay. So he snuck one in, told us it was German. <laughs> Funny. So my favorite things to brew right now are lagers. Uh, I'm bringing an amber lager to the thing. Um, I haven't been – I used to, up until about two years ago, I tried to brew once a week, five gallons. Um, I – my interest has shifted into um, further processed malt-based beverages. How so, how would you go through five gallons of beer? Uh, I have a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that's pretty much. I'm, my I'm dad, growing. my brothers, my friends, everywhere I went, I'd bring a growler of beer with me. And, yep. Yeah, it's it's it used to be a lot easier than it is right now. COVID, and you just can't give beer away quite as quite as easily right now. No. Yeah. No, no, not as many big get-togethers and stuff like that. Yeah, I made a, um, you know, everybody, they're having a party. You're like, yeah, just bring a six-pack to share or whatever. So I made a six-pack holder of growlers. So I, <laughs> it looked like a big six-pack, but it helped. You said bring a six-pack, right? Yeah. That's awesome. When you filled that thing up, though, it was... Pretty I was gonna say, did it come with? Yeah. Did it have wheels on one end? Or <laughs> shit? I had a pretty thick old leather belt as a handle. And <laughs> I think Brandon asked too. Uh, is there any like homebrew trends that you love hate right now? Homebrew trends? Uh, see, I don't know. I, I know, like uh, maybe I'm even a little bit behind some of the trends because. I don't really brew to trends anymore. I guess yeah, yeah. to sound like a, a, a snob, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mature brewer. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if that even means anything, uh, I've I've I have personally feel like I've brewed almost every style under the sun, and I know what I like to make and what I like to drink, and I also know what I can make well with my water and on my system and my process. Um, I, it's sometimes it's just like, oh, it's so much work to try to do that, to try to adjust the water for this, to try to do that or whatever. So it's like, sometimes I just want to have, enjoy sitting in the garage and making an easy beer. So yeah, I get that. Yep. So, but I know like, um, the Kvik stuff, that stuff's pretty interesting. What is the, is it Lutra? Mm -hmm. The Norwegian yeast that's supposed to ferment really clean, like a lager. Um, that's a pretty good job. That in Oslo. I, did, did you just use Lucha or something, Jason? I've I've never used it. Okay. That Pilsner that I was just gonna uh, hawk over to you was a fucking Lucha Pilsner. 
No. Well, I'm pretty sure someone's bringing a Lutra Pilsner to the party next week. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those people that everything is a Norwegian yeast. Yeah. You know, that's a fad. I, that fad annoyed me probably last year when there were breweries that were like, you know, throwing out Vosk Vikes left and right. And, and it's like, I don't know if they thought that because you can abuse that yeast that you should abuse that yeast. <laughs> I don't know. I just found some pretty foul shit out there on the market, but even yeah, Bell's had one that I just didn't care for. I made a, um, a further processed malt based beverage that was 100% unhopped Kavik yeasted nice. product um, that my uncle was trying to see how much he could abuse it and just crank <laughs> out these huge gravities and, like, you know, like keeping them 110 degrees or whatever. Sure. It made alcohol, and I said, well, I'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tasty. How uh, how high did the yeast take it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at his notes. He, he would start talking about it, and I'd be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me, dude. <laughs> but uh, like with the Lutra, I've had a few things from people that have made it. I haven't tried it because I'm – kind of a purist when it comes to lager. Um, and it's like, yeah, all right, that's passable, but it's not like a real traditional cold, long process. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I did it. It was I, I wanted a, a Pilsner and um, I, and, and I, I didn't have the because of construction on my house, I just didn't have the equipment set up to lager that I, I actually have now. Um, so I tried it, but then at the at the last minute, I decided to switch to uh, Brambling Cross for my hops, just to see what would happen if the black currant flavor would come through, and it did. So it's like a, it is a really clean pilsner, um, but it's it's slightly fruity, but there's no fruit in it. So it's just, from the hop, probably right. Yeah, it's all just from the hop, but it's just really weird. It's I, I enjoy it, I just don't. Um, what you said you say you used? Was that the Lutro? I use Lutra and Brambling Cross and made a only poster. only type I've used is Oslo, and I've done it once. And I don't think it. I didn't like it. Oslo is a weird one. Oslo and Voss, I think, are are not as good. I made a Mybach with Oslo, and it was like fine, but it was like missing like a character, like that clean logger character. Like it was clean, but it was missing that. I don't know how to describe it. That <laughs> slight sulfur, you know, that is just not unpleasant. But it's yeah, like that's that's how I how I felt with Oslo is that there is. I, I honestly think I, I may have even done like a. I can't recall what type of beer I made from it because it was a while ago. But yeah, there was just something missing from it. It just left me desiring. One um, other I think I I really can't stand. I don't know. This is one of those you know people love to hate the, the hazy IPAs. Yeah, yeah. So really, my entire career, it's been like I strive to make a crystal clear beer, and now it's supposed to be hazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I understand the the process yeah. that goes into it. It's just turn, it, it just is hazy the way you make it. Just like half of these, and they don't try to make half of these as hazy. They just are. Wheat beers are hazy. Sure. So if you're making a really juicy hop, you know you're you're hot, dry hopping during primary fermentation. I understand it's going to turn out hazy, but I hate these people that are like, oh, this is a terrible New England IPA. It's not hazy. 
Sure. Like, I think yeah. it's fucking great because it's clear and it tastes nice and juicy and hoppy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I I I, I enjoy New England and and the um the the mouthfeel of the 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 pillowy like New England IPAs. I like crisp clean IPAs, but I don't care. I've had I brewed a um what I thought was supposed to be in New England and it came out clear and it was fine. And uh but vice versa. I've also had I don't know, you know, regular IPAs are kind of cloudy from home brewers that just fuck something up and they're all right too. <laughs> And I, 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 mean, I don't like beers that are really heavy on the dry hop anyway, because I get some hop astringency and vegetal flavors and grassy out of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I enjoy hop flavor, but you know, sometimes people just go too far with it. It's not my taste. Some people love it. And that's great. I don't. They're kind of filling too. Like, honestly, like they're, you, you sit there and it's just, you can't drink it quite as easily as, you know, a German Pilsner or something like that. Like it kind of takes some effort to get through a whole glass sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, by the time you, you finish it, it's like all warmed up and shit and lost in carbonation. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you just get an eight ounce pour of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you never find them in anything less than a 16 ounce can. So, yeah. and then they're, you know, seven, eight bucks a piece. <laughs> Well, the massive amount of hops they have to dump into. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And Drew's asking too. Speaking of trends, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever uh, brewed with Philly Sour, which is pretty new, like I know some people haven't heard of it yet. Philly uh, Sour is that like a Philly cheesesteak? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's brand new. Yeah, uh, probably been on the market for a couple months now. It's a uh, Lachancia species yeast so it's a lactic acid producing yeast so like with your wife's goza did she like kettle sour yeah I've been, I've been using uh i don't recommend any chancia but i got some wine yeast that, i can't remember what it's called the packaging is all in french so i have no idea what it actually says <laughs> it's a, it's a wine yeast that produces lactic acid so I oh, that's cool with the gosas and i've done some berliners with that where um i'll pitch that and give it three or four days, and then I dump in the rest, you know, some 05 or something like that to finish it out. That's awesome. And it, yeah. it, gives, it, it gives a really nice um, lactic character, like as if you did a kettle sour or even, uh, you know, add a lactic culture or whatever without having to worry about the temp and all that, all that shit dealing with lactic acid or yeah. lactobacillus. Because um, before that, I would do a lot of um, sour mashing to do okay. or Berliners or whatever sour kettle sour sort of um, not kettle sours, but cause I would just sour mash. I'd mash in it 120 and let it sit there in the hot garage in the summertime for two or three days and come it's back like and and just like a regular beer. And I was, I know like some people that I know <clears throat> that are real particular about, uh, you know, using the right culture or whatever, this or that, or you got to do this, you got to get just this temperature or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit more of a, a board to board type brewer as well as a cook. So, you know, Hey, I do this and it works and oh, that's terrible. in the right direction. And yeah, yeah. Don't, don't you ever get any, you know, butyric acid or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I don't know. It tastes pretty damn good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm there with you, man. That's, I I know I give Brian shit about it. He's more of the scientific process guy, 
and I'm more of the the creative cook, I think, and I just do whatever feels good. I've been trying to to shift this last year, so I've been doing a lot of mixed fermentations and stuff like that. I've been trying to do one a month to kind of get a pipeline going, and it's it's sort of a mind shift in that like instead of instead of knowing what I'm going to get, I kind of have to just steer, you know, the the yeast in a particular direction, and hey, what what comes of it comes of it. I'm just a really lazy brewer, and like, <laughs> I don't want to be like people talk about the what is it the brew bug or whatever those things like look i can see exactly right now on my phone what my fermentation is doing. Oh, yeah, like, like shit, i'll get back to it in seven days we'll see what comes out of it <laughs> uh, with process it's like the reason i did sour mashing is because i could mash in and walk away for three days and then come back and continue brewing that's uh i mean brandon's not doing sour mashing but brandon's a, a guy that watches a lot he's a member of our club and and he does the overnight mashes a lot and i'm like that just blew my mind like i can just set this shit up and go to bed like yeah <laughs> what the yeah. fuck why am i not doing this the, the less i have to move things around the better yeah i have uh, done um I've been I've been experimenting a lot because I like lagers with the um, um, high pressure ferments for lagers ferment warm under pressure. Um, so like I know like a lot of the stuff I researched they're talking you know one or two bar or something like that for pressure ferment. Well, I'll hit that sucker with like thirty five psa and walk away for three days and then I have a passively clean lager. <laughs> uh, yeah, it gets better the longer it sits in the kegerator, but you know, you can turn around a light lager in two or three weeks. That's yeah. You know, why not? Cause again, I'm a lazy brewer. <laughs> oh, so back to, back to prime time. Do you guys do anything, uh, in the community or any, any, um, you know, like big dude days or bring demos or any of that shit? Uh, yeah, we always have participated heavily in the Big Brew Day. Um, Cisneros, um, does the one and they host a trail point out there in Allendale. Um, we did it, they used to be down in Calder Plaza in downtown for a little while, and then the, the city officials just got to be uh, a bit too officious, <laughs> so it wasn't worth the effort anymore. Um, so Big Brew Day is always a really big thing, and then uh, the Sistiano's Homebrew Club is a big deal that we participate in and judge a lot of that. And then um, there's uh, MHF, MHF, which we're trying to get more more into. Um, we get involved uh, with the program here in Grand Rapids. Um, I'm on the program committee, which that kind of fell apart this year. But um, uh, we our Christmas party every year, we've been doing a Christmas party since the 80s. Um, in December, we don't have a meeting. We just have a Christmas party. So that has developed into where we have a, um, we've always had an auction where we go around and we collect swag and donations from our sponsor breweries and homebrew shops and whatever and uh, beer buyers, et cetera, that sort of stuff. And then we do an auction style, sell it all off. And um, that was how we've always funded the club. Well, as the club has grown, we make more money off that than, than we could ever use. I mean, we really only need 500 bucks to run a club for a whole year. Right. And that, I think, being pretty luxurious. <laughs> um, well, we're, we're bringing in three or $4,000 some years on this. We've, this, we've been um, taking in uh, at least half of it. We just pick a round number that's more than half, and that goes to uh, a charity or a choice. So 
We That's worked awesome. with Strader, um Gilda's Club. Two years running now. It's been um, a food bank. Um, Feeding America, West Michigan. That we got hooked up with from the guys that own Mitten Brewing, um, Max Weiler and Chris Andrus. How many um, members do you guys have? We, we missed that earlier. Uh, actual paid members, I think our roster right now is only like 45. But um, we have a lot of hanger-ons and people that like to come to meetings and just, you know, it's fine. If people don't want to commit, that's cool. It's just, I'm like, people ask me, well, why should I actually pay for the membership? I'm like, because it's 20 bucks for a year. I mean, that's cheap. <laughs> and well, what do I get for that? You get 10% off at local homebrew supply shops. Well, I get that through AHA. I'm like, yeah, but AHA is more than 20 bucks a month. Per year, I yeah. Legally drink. Per year, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, 45, I think. 40, 45 is our paid members are right now. And enough that um, you know we get the AHA, we apply for the AHA insurance every year and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there was like this year, the tr the treasurer was like, "Hey, if we can get up to seventy five or like seventy five percent of our membership to be AHA members, AHA will cover the insurance." I'm like, "Our insurance is like what, two hundred bucks for the year?" And it's what forty five. Last I looked, it was forty five bucks to join the AHA. I don't know. I've never actually. I was an AHA member one time got roped into it so it's just to try to get everybody to go in one direction sometimes is difficult and then to try to convince people that hey you need to spend more money to join another club so the, the our club doesn't have to spend <laughs> money when we make more money every year than we need anyway yeah, awesome. hard, so. yeah we played the aha game we get the, the for the free insurance and stuff but we're not nearly as big i think we're probably half that for paid members I think we've got up somewhat high. Definitely not this year, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought we were in the twenties, but maybe they have to talk to Patrick about well, that. Historically, we're like a hundred or so paid members. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely nowhere near that. That's awesome. Are you guys the biggest club in Grand Rapids? Um, you know, honestly, by paid members, I never said this out loud. <laughs> major admission. Brusquitos might have us by paid members, but I don't know. The thing is, there's a lot of crossover between the clubs anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before I was the Prez, I was a member of four different homebrew clubs just because I just wanted to go around and yep. meet people and talk about beer and share beer. Then when I became president, I was like, well, all right, I need, to, I need to focus here. And then again, it's like, well, I can still show up at a Brusquitos or a mob meeting and be treated as if I am a club member. I can't enter the competitions or there's perks I don't get access to, but that's not what I'm there for anyway. Sure. So what do you got? Uh, any big plans for the club this year? You said you've got, what's your next style competition? Ooh, I should have this memorized. It's on the webpage. We'll do that. Okay. Let me throw your webpage out on the, uh, we should have done that earlier. I'll throw your webpage out on, uh, on our post. So if anybody does stumble across this, they can find you guys quickly. So uh, primetime brewers will be in the comments. How do you guys do the judging for those? those um, we basically have two ways. There's what we call the beauty pageant or there's um, uh, BJCP style. So if we're real specific, like uh, last month, last week was our, our September meeting. That was 
um, APAs. So that was it. Whatever. I don't, I, you know, I don't have it memorized because I have an app for that. Mm -hmm. What was that? Like thirteen B or something? I don't. That's probably wrong. But a real specific style like that. We'll sit down with a panel of three judges, and we will go through a score sheet and give them a, B, a BJCP style judging. Um, next month, not remembering now, um, is um, best of seller beer. So it's a barn door, anything between one and twenty-three or whatever the. Let's see here. I'm looking at the web page now. Man, somebody needs to update this thing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't updated that yet. We had to cancel our beer and food pairing because I wasn't. We couldn't think of a safe way to do that with COVID. Um, yeah, we've done a beer and food pairing dinner once a year. Um, it's best to start. So any beer you bring in, you declare a style, and then we just well, you know, you don't bring a label or anything on it. And people just go along and taste, and everybody gets a scorecard, and they just write down their top three, one, two, three picks, and then the VP will tally them up and we'll pick a winner that way. So we do a few of those. When it's something like that, that's real broad. Like we do a best seller ciders, best seller meads, or best seller beers. Um, or like um, one time we did New England IPAs, and New England IPA doesn't didn't really have VCP style. Right. So there was no guideline to go by. We've always been kind of um, champion or pushing the uh, BJCP styles because um, part of the point of the club is that if you want to be a competitive brewer, it's the job of the club to equip you to be able to compete in competitions. But you be that through um, learning from other members or sharing ideas, learning how to judge and how to taste beers per the BJCP guidelines. That was something I was working on as COVID hit was March. We were putting together a, um, a BJCP class with some of the other clubs in the area to try to get, um, get people together. And then gonna, James Lewis is a, a guy locally here that came out of Chicago. That's a BJCP judge and has taught the classes before he was going to work us through like a six month class to prepare us to take those that are interested to take the level one and level two BJCP tests. And that was literally like the meeting was the Wednesday and the world ended that Friday before <laughs> that. So mm -hmm. that I like had all the beer bought to go through a couple styles to teach people how it's gonna go. And uh, yeah, I drank that beer myself because <laughs> yeah. it was in my fridge. So, <laughs> That's uh, a really cool idea though. I like how the, you, you phrase that. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's my COVID. This new microphone, I don't have a mute button on it. Oh, no. You got to set up that like, mic mute uh, software. I had that for a little while for this I thing, so I, didn't, so I didn't have to lean down and press on my uh, audio. I have mic. another headset, but Brian bitches about how it sounds, so I'm using a different This one does, so, it does sound good. This one sounds good. Now you get... Now you should get the same headset that Brian had, or you could have ganked your, your daughter's uh, a condenser mic. No, she took that to college with her. Oh. But anyway, I like how you were Here's saying... My headset. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you talked about uh, you know the, the club responsibility to, to educate the members like that, and I wish we could do a BJCP type thing. I don't know of anybody in the area that that can instruct like that, though. If uh, if we're able to join, I mean, hit us up, and we'd we'd probably definitely take part. 
Well, and, yeah, you know, I know a room will be limited once that gets going again. If we ever manage to get the class together, you guys are more than welcome to join. It's, it's. I mean, we were kind of the driving force behind it. The prime time was, but I mean, I look at homebrew clubs like like churches, Christian churches. They all generally believe the same thing, but they fight <laughs> about stupid details. <laughs> <laughs> Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholic, I don't give a shit what you are. We all talk about beer. So <laughs> I, the, the inner club stuff, it's just fun, the friendly rivalry between the clubs. But when it comes down to something like, hey, we want to educate all of the brewers in the area that want to try to compete how to enter competition and do well. I, as a beer judge myself, I'm not a certified judge. I don't care to take the test to get that. I was going to do it this time to, you know, lead by example mm -hmm. but um I, I i hear all the time of people complaining about well what do you mean you know the way it's judged people i mean we've all entered competitions right you can bitch about your score sheets all day long <laughs> but to put yourself in the shoes of the judge and understand how that beer was judged and it is 100 blind if it's done right yeah uh, it, to bitch about your scores is what well, you need to understand the way it's judged yep to be able to understand how to enter a beer. A lot of entering a beer competition because of beer competition, you're taking something that's inherently subjective and trying to make it objective. Uh, you, a, lot, a lot of the game of entering a beer competition is picking your style right. Right. So I'll get comments from people that are like, I mean, I'll write on this first, she's like, yeah, you entered the APA category, but this tastes like an American wheat beer. Did you add wheat to this? I didn't add any fucking wheat to it. I'm like, I'm... <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't personal. I didn't know that you didn't. I was just telling you what I tasted. Maybe, you know, if you're tasting a beer, you're like, yeah, I made this to be an APA, but you know what? It does taste more like an American weed beer. So enter in the weed beer category. Yep. Yep. In the, in the presentation we do, that that's one of the things is uh, um, don't enter the beer that you brewed. Don't enter the category for the beer that you brewed. Enter the, the beer that you made. Enter the beer that you made. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for it. Tastes like yeah, almost every beer I've ever entered a competition. I've sat there for weeks and thought about where do I really want to put this. Yeah, I mean, there's a doppelbach, but you know what? It might be more of a mybach, or it might be more of a whatever. So I think it's something we all struggle with. I I used to have a couple of good resources that I could I could kind of go over to their house and, and they had good palettes and good experience and be like, here, what what's this? What's what do you think of that? And and they tell me, and then I could be like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Uh, now it's now I just have Brian and Jordan, and <laughs> we try to do that in the club. That's what I think we we we're trying to do now is you know bring your beer in, and we'll taste it and tell you and give you that feedback. And yeah, before all this started, we were we were starting to highlight a couple of beers a month. Yeah, trying to. Uh, I'd read up on another. Um, actually, it was a philosophy episode where there was a club on that talked about like a mechanics corner where every meeting they had a couple of guys that were, were really good at, at tasting or they were certified judges or whatever. And they would you bring them your beer and they taste your beer and tell you, you know, what category, what you could do wrong or you, know, you ferment too hot. Yeah. I, so I'd like to do something like that in our club. But COVID, mm -hmm. COVID fucked it all. So. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, yeah. Um, another yeah. big part of entering a beer in a competition, too, or asking for any sort of feedback about a beer, which I see a lot of times some people seem to be lacking, is be willing to accept some bad news. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. If somebody says your APA tastes like a wheat beer and you get pissed about it, maybe you should rethink how why you're brewing beer. My favorite one is don't bring me your Doppelbach and ask me if I think it's a Doppelbach. And then when I tell you, no, I don't think it's a Doppelbach, you get pissed off at me because I told you what you asked me about. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Christ, right? Yeah, exactly. During my uh, honest opinion, don't be upset when you get it. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I first started entering competitions, one of the things I was really bad at was saving beer that I entered. So oh, I got my feedback. I could like taste it and be like, well, yeah, they're right. Like, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, but I, I think that sometimes that's really helpful. Like if you, if you can taste the beer while reading the feedback and be like, oh, so that's what they mean. Um, yeah. That, that can be helpful. It's one of my favorite things to get feedback and be like, I know exactly what you're fucking talking about. You know, like, or yes, I, I, when they can peg that, you know, maybe I didn't hit my temperature or, uh, you know, something and then i can go back to my notes and be like yeah I, I fucked that up that day or i did miss that step or whatever I, it's cool but yeah you gotta have an open mind what you have to realize too is that that beer that maybe you're pouring on tap and it's like damn this is spot on for whatever style once you put it in a bottle and it sits there for a few weeks or months wherever it may be it might not be exactly i mean you're entering you're you're introducing a lot of variables there that can change the taste of that beer yeah and every beer tastes best, with some exceptions, right off the tap. Sure. Provided your taps are clean. That's an, that's another education point that we try to press in the club, too, is clean your shit. I, I was a Siciliano's one. I I have a raspberry stout that's done well. And, and you know, first-round national medals and gold medals at Beer beer Cup and shit like that. And uh, I, I brewed the batch that I thought was the best. I'm like, this one's good. And Siciliano's is the first comp, and I send it in, and or I bottled it all up and send it in. And I was traveling, and I get my score from Steve, and I'm on a plane or something, and I, 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 I fucking like he scored me like a 26 or something. <laughs> so I emailed him right back, and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, what the fuck, really? Because I, I couldn't see the sheets, mm -hmm. and uh, he's like, fucking thing blew up in my hand, man. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like what the fuck so as soon as my plane landed i i like got home ran down to the basement pulled a couple out popped them they they all blew up like i brewed this beer a hundred times not a hundred times but damn i brewed it a lot and i've never had you know secondary fermentation take off in the bottle like been, that your bottle must have been bad or something i mean yeah uh, you know it, the thing is there's so many variables right but but you're right it was perfect was perfect on the keg when i was serving it but even in the bottle for the month and a half or whatever uh it was bomb and i'm glad because i got that feedback from steve before i had to i think send that batch off to the final table or something or whatever that year like save my ass really so i was able to rebrew <laughs> yeah but yeah well i don't see any other questions in chat jeremy Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I put your your uh, club link in uh, in our comments. So if anybody stumbles on this and they want to get in touch with Primetime Brewers, uh, links down below. Um, you know, check them out if you're in the Grand Rapids area. Uh, don't 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 bother with other, the other clubs, right? The inferior clubs. <laughs> Go to Premier Club. Up yours, Rodimer. Other than that, guys, it's been another good uh, good night drinking online with you. Cheers. Cheers. Okay.
Rodríguez. <risa> 